Chapter 2 Long and Short of It Most of my adult life has been unsettling, frequently feeling at a loss for how I was going to continue living this way. Some of the most basic tasks such as eating, bathing, and even brushing my teeth had become a chore. My mind kept telling me in order to do this task, I had to finish that task first. Usually things unrelated to sitting down for lunch or taking 60 seconds to brush my teeth after stumbling out of bed. Day in and day out, the minutes and hours continue to pass as I stay focused on other things, constantly seeming more important than anything else I needed to do. What were those other tasks? Now I recognized that they are mundane actions. But at the same time, I was addicted to staying ahead and in the know. I was simply checking my email, refreshing my Twitter feed for the latest news, and watching for notifications on my social media profiles repeatedly, to name some examples. Later, I learned that this cycle was a form of rumination, doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting a different result. I was not fulfilled until a new email popped up, which I could open and read immediately, firing off a response to feel accomplished. I think my mind was expecting some kind of prize or reward for completing each task, trying to put some immense value behind the satisfaction of closing out each and every app installed on my iPhone. If I check my email 20 times a day, that obviously equates to 20 times the reward for me, way more than someone else who had only checked their email once a day. I would be 20 times more knowledgeable if I checked the news 20 times a day versus someone who checked once or not at all. How silly does that sound? Unfortunately, at the time, it was not silly to me. It was my new way of life for years out of touch with reality, while trying to plan for all what-if scenarios that might hit me in the future. This also means that I was actively overlooking glaring symptoms of mental illness, brushing it all aside and telling myself it was all okay, because I was just trying to be a productive person. Mental health and mental illness are things you cannot see. To the outside world, including your family and friends, one appears to be functioning normally, albeit a little strangely sometimes. Everyone has their quirks, right? Everyone is looking at their phones constantly anyway, so who is really going to observe that behavior and think it is a serious problem? Mental illness is not a bruise someone can see on your body. Its severity cannot be quantified as easily as a growing stash of cough drops and cough medicine in a cabinet when you feel under the weather. Poor mental health is not a measurable, visible thing like fevers or runny noses. I cannot even count the number of times I told someone how I was feeling just to expect them to understand. I was quickly overwhelmed because so much time is spent sharing and reliving the suffering of these feelings when all I wanted was someone to help fight it. An effective and accurate diagnosis of poor mental health and possible mental illness falls squarely on the one suffering to outline every symptom 
every feeling and thought empowering the problem behavior. It took me explaining repeatedly with no new results to finally realize I had to thoroughly explain what was happening inside my mind in a way others could decipher. A prime example of how mental illness was affecting me was that in all my daily tasks, I was effectively transforming into a human doer instead of a human being. Underneath it all, I was so intent on doing this task, then that task, and then multitasking between several things, none of which were dire to my existence or personal growth. Instead of just being present and living in the moment, by spending all this time, energy, and mental capacity doing things and worrying about the future, I had nothing left for my own well-being. I had completely overlooked how my inner thoughts and feelings translated into my day-to-day life. Why couldn't I pull myself back from the future? I was quickly hurling myself into a no-man's land, with no way to stop the spiral. What I had thought was trying to be as a productive person as possible was actually a form of FOMO, fear of missing out. My undiagnosed depression, obsessive-compulsive disorder, autistic characteristics, and panic disorder were dictating my every move. I didn't know what to do to address each of them and begin managing them. Who do I talk to about this? Do I need to be on medications? Why don't I feel the joy of being with family or attending concerts like I used to? In the beginning, some of the symptoms I was suffering through could be swept aside, compartmentalized in my mind with the hope that they would just go away and I could feel better again. The more I tried to ignore and bury them, the more they reared their ugly heads and the more I would not feel right. I was a people person. I liked being in groups. I enjoyed presenting information to my classes in school. During college, I did more than my fair share of partying with a degree of alcohol abuse. Now I see that alcohol was my crutch, a scapegoat to how I was feeling at that time. When I graduated college and entered the workforce, I could not party the feelings away anymore. It just did not make sense to continue this way of life. Now, with regular working hours, in addition to random drug tests and alcohol screenings looming over my head, I had to be alert and on point all day, every day, during the work week, which was radically different than my one to two 90-minute college classes per day schedule I was used to. This was when I became more aware of my symptoms, but continued to do nothing about it. I went from feeling alive in group activities to being uneasy and uncomfortable around others. Attending meetings rendered me physically weak, engulfed with anxiety and fear. Meanwhile, in my personal life, I was overcome with the same feelings. One evening, I was stopped at a red light on the way to meet my fiancé for dinner, when the anxiety hit me worse than ever before. The seatbelt was strangling me. The air quickly became too thin. My heart was racing. My eyes could not focus. I was dizzy, suddenly paralyzed with fear within the enclosed space of my car. 
my fiance had to pick me up in a random parking lot and we never did enjoy our date, which we had been looking forward to that night. This event scared me so much I could not bring myself to drive anymore, even though I had been driving for at least 20 years prior. Lived experience like this has shown me what I am capable of. It has shown me how mental illness affects not only a person, but the people around them. Even after what I thought was planning for the future, staying completely prepared for anything life throws at me, my life still came crashing down around me. At the time, I did not know if I wanted to continue living, if I could live with myself, with my choices, with my extreme lack of hygiene and appetite. Not only did I live, I started to recover at a steady pace. All symptoms have since lessened, and I am thriving. If you are reading this for yourself or someone you love, I cannot think of a better person to learn from than someone with real experience. Those who teach about mental health from textbook studies can only share so much. Like traditional academia, the best instructors I had were those who taught how the real world is, not what they thought the real world should be. Before we shift into the main content of this book, I want to make it clear that I am not a board-certified psychiatrist or therapist. I am just a millennial man with almost 40 years of lived experience hoping to share his story with others. This is my mental health journey, a deep dive into how I'm tackling the stigma around mental illness and all that comes with it, personally and professionally. You will be in the driver's seat, a witness to everything I've gone through to finally find peace and manage my mental health in a way that works for me. Along the way, I could not have made more mistakes in judgment. Eventually, I reached a point where I could cry out for help or continue to ignore everything. However, without reaching rock bottom, I would not be where I am now. I will not be able to share my story and help others make it through those difficult times, the tough situations, long nights, and overwhelming feelings. I have found my prescription for living. Now, let us find yours.